This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 24. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Greetings, boys and girls. Welcome back to the How'd You Get Into That Podcast. My name is Grant Baldwin. You have arrived at episode 24. Honored and excited that you're here today. Glad that you're joining us. We've got a great, great show. Hopefully all of them are great. Uh, I hope we're uh, we're hopefully inspiring you and encouraging you, getting you to think, getting you to not only just think, because if you just think, that's adorable, but I need you to do something with it. What are you doing with the information that we're sharing with you? One of the things that that, uh, I I give a lot of speeches and talks and and work with a lot of people and giving presentations, and one of the things I always talk about is now what? What are you going to do as a result of what we've talked about? So uh, hopefully you're not just listening and be like, oh, that's good. That's a nice story, but I hope you're really thinking through and figuring out how do I implement and apply this in my own life. So uh, there's your fresh fresh baked knowledge biscuit for you. Hey, today we are joined by my friend Wes Wages. Wes has a, uh, a great, great story. Can't wait to share with you. Just a really, really good dude. Wes is a, uh, a filmmaker, video maker, just a, a, an amazingly talented artist who works with film. Uh, so one of the things we'll talk about with Wes is is uh, the importance of just turning pro, just taking your work seriously. We also talk a lot about uh, waiting for permission, and we also talk about how he how he just became comfortable with the realization that he wouldn't make a good employee, and maybe that's uh, something that some of you are wrestling with. And then I'll be honest with you, Wes tells one of my favorite stories. So far on all of the interviews that we've done, this is one of my favorite stories he shares about literally his trip to Europe. He went from like one of the highest highs of his life to one of the lowest lows and questioning everything. So you're going to want to you're going to want to hear this story. It's really really powerful, really really cool. Hey, uh, one other thing I'll mention to you is we had some technical issues with this, one of which being uh, about halfway through the recording I realized that my mic wasn't on. So, brilliant. Well done. Bravo for Grant. Take a minute and applaud for Grant. Thank you for that awkward silence. So anyway, look past that. We recorded this uh, a while back. But nonetheless, great interview with uh, with Wes. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, you can find all show notes, links, everything that we discuss at grantbaldwin.com slash Wes Wages. All right, enough about that. Let's get to the episode. Here you go. Enjoy. All right, well, today I'm hanging out with my friend Wes Wages, who is a filmmaker extraordinaire. Wes, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Doing phenomenal. Thanks for hanging out with us. So, a filmmaker, what exactly do you do? Because I, mean, I think a lot of times we think of these big blockbuster movies and what we go to the theaters to see, but what exactly are you putting together and creating? That's so true. You know, uh, we just talked about that. I considered myself a filmmaker about a year ago, and uh, that's because I've, I've created like uh, short form films, like documentary style. It just all took one day. I just owned it. It wasn't like one day, you know, I did go to film school, but um, that doesn't make you a filmmaker. And so one day I just said, you know what? I'm just going to start calling myself a filmmaker. And so just putting it out there. That's what you just now referred to me as a filmmaker. So that makes me a filmmaker there, right? Perfect. That's all. That's all it takes. <laughs> is you just got to come on a podcast and have someone call you that, and then you're exactly. In. There's a big difference, I think, from the term videographer to filmmaker. You know, I think even people that don't even know video, they they have a perception there. And so uh, I just one day I said, you know, I'm going to own it, and I'm going to be a filmmaker. So, nice. There's a huge lesson, I mean, in that alone, of just saying, no, this is like, this is what I do. And being proud of that and putting that out there. And it's the same thing with like speaking is I have a lot of people ask, like, how do I get into speaking? I say, well, listen, if you don't consider yourself a speaker or you don't promote yourself as a speaker, nobody's going to think of you as a speaker. 
Absolutely, man. That's huge. Is like owning what you do. Like it's so scary for people to say, you know what? I'm going to be, you know, a business coach. Like, well, you don't have any training whatsoever, but that's okay. Like, let's say you've mentored one person, then you're a coach automatically. Do you mentor them in business? Yes. Oh, well, then you're a business coach. Yeah. So you, who's, to, who's to tell you you're not? Exactly. Like, you don't need someone's permission to say no. that you are that thing. I'm a writer. I'm a blogger. I'm a videographer. I'm a filmmaker. I'm whatever. Right. I just choose to take that, that mantle on, and I'll begin to figure it out as I go, but I'm going to, to take ownership of that out of the gate. As long as you like, always want to like pursue your craft and make it better and better. Like you know, there's a whole photographer thing now, where like if you have an iPhone and Instagram, you're a photographer, and somebody pays you ten bucks, and you're a professional photographer. But you know, the thing is, is like always owning it and say, I'm a professional photographer because I'm continuing my craft and I'm always getting better and better and better. You know. Yeah, just that whole idea behind turning pro, and I'm taking this seriously, yeah. and this isn't just a hobby, this isn't just like a little side thing, but like, no, 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 this is, this is a legit thing, that this is how I'm making my living, or this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what does that mean as a filmmaker? Are there various projects that you're, you're, you've been working on, or that you've made, or what does that look like on a, a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so I basically, let's say like just right now, I have about 10 to 12 projects that I'm working on. Um, one of them is uh, like a TEDx event that um, just came out here to Portland to shoot. And um, so I shoot some events and do that stuff, but also uh, finishing up a documentary about food in Alabama for the um, University of Mississippi. And also hired by the Danish government to shoot a short documentary in Liberia that I just got back from. I've been over there twice in the last year. And also shoot for a few business coaches as well, do like testimonial films kind of about us, about their clients. And we do brand stories. So uh, as far as businesses, we take your brand and we create a story out of that. Gotcha. So you, you've got a, several different irons in the fire right now, different places yeah, where you're, you're working on. Absolutely. Yeah, it's always going. We, we have a really good team. So my wife and I work together. She's a photographer. And then also we have a team of three people back in Alabama which is our home, but we're living in Portland right now. And so we have a project manager, an editor, and a full-time assistant. Beautiful. So this idea of film and creating something and video, is that something like you've always been intrigued by? You know, it is. I was in my uh, church youth group when I was in uh, high school and uh, bought like a, a really cheap camera. I think the church even owned it and uh, started making really stupid videos. Uh, one of them involved my, like my best friend at the time. Oh, he is still in a Twinkie costume and dancing in a field. And I think that was my first <laughs> film, we'll say. And that was called Timothy Goes Frolicking, which used to be on Google Video. I think they've taken it down now, uh, rightfully so. It went for, for many reasons. To, <laughs> for many reasons. You know, making stupid little videos. And then I went to school for two years at a community college to kind of study music, um, which was my, my passion. But then I realized nobody's going to hire me because I have a degree. Well, I have a sheet of paper saying I can play drums. I said, okay, that's probably a, not the best major to go into. So I said, I'm just going to do film. And so I got back into it and went to University of North Alabama and studied uh, entertainment media production, actually, which was kind of a cross between commercial music and film. You start school. How long are you studying music before you pull the plug on that and change course? Yeah. I went to community college two years. So I was taking full-time percussion like a uh, major. And that was two years. And then finally, you know, I was like, okay. And the whole reason I went to community college is because it's cheap. Yeah. The thing is, is like they actually paid me to go to school. I got money back from the scholarships that I got. And so doing that, all of my credits transferred to another university. So essentially, I didn't have to pay for two years of school. And 
went to University of North Alabama, and I said, you know, after two years, I was like, I probably should just switch. You know, let me back up a little bit. Actually, I auditioned at Belmont University for percussion, played my four mallet pieces, all everything you could think of. And, uh, man, I was so excited, just ready to get into that. And uh, they called me one day and said, you know, well, you didn't make it. And uh, dreams were crushed, obviously. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, well, fine, I'm done. But I went to the second option, which the University of North Alabama is a really good music school. So I went there, even went to MTSU to look a little bit, but wound up there. And uh, as soon as I got there, I realized the band, I was going to join the band and get, try to get some money out of that. But they didn't pay much money at all. Like, it was ridiculous. So I ended up, I said, you know what, I'm just going to get a job while I'm in school so I can make more money that way versus scholarships. So that's what I did. And I said, I'm just going to go ahead and switch to film because, you know, percussion can always be a backup, but nobody's going to hire you because of that sheet of paper, you know? Right, right. Let's let's back up for a second. So you said that you had been doing community college for a couple of years. Is that yeah. when you went from there to audition at Belmont um, for percussion? Exactly. So like uh, my second year of community college was about to wrap up and I prepared and prepared for this audition and um, I was ready to go. So I was going to transfer to Belmont, hopefully if I made it. And I went up there, auditioned, and I uh, just didn't make it. Okay, I got I to know what that feeling is like because you pour two years into this. Obviously, you'd been obviously you, you'd probably been doing percussion for several years before that. Yeah. It's all leading up to this American Idol audition moment for you <laughs> in, in your world. You don't get it. You come away from that. What what's going through your head? You know, it's it's tough because yeah, I mean, I played um, you know percussion all through high school and and. Honestly, at, at the community college I was at, I was uh, the top of the top of the tier there. You know, just uh, obviously we call it in chairs, like w- within the first couple of chairs always. And uh, so I thought I was decent, and um, which who's to say you're not? But you know, Belmont was just a very competing school, a lot of uh, competition there, and so yeah, it, I mean, it was really tough. I didn't have a backup plan, which I probably should have going into that, like you know, knowing. If I made this or not, there's still another option. Did you feel like everything was hinging on that? Like you come away from that like, okay, if I can't even make it on this thing, then forget it. Clearly this isn't for me. Do you feel like you're completely back to the drawing board and everything's just been pulled out from under you? I uh, guess at the time, yeah, because that was my dream, you know, like is, you know, be a full-time like drummer, basically percussionist. And uh, the thing is, is like at the time, I guess that was my only option. I didn't realize, oh, I maybe could go to this film school. But, you know, not getting into Belmont pushed me to kind of pursue another option to, and to think about it. And honestly, I'm really glad it did because I wouldn't have pursued this other, other option of uh, film as well, you know. Yeah, there's so many people I've talked to who would say that there was some, I was on this path, I was on this course that I was good with, but then something happened that kind of forced my hand to really reevaluate or I was intrigued by this other option over there. I wasn't really sure how to get there, but then something took place, whether it's like you said, I I auditioned and I didn't make it, I got fired, I got laid off, I quit. Some life circumstance happened that just causes me to step back and be like, okay, let's just back up and reevaluate everything. So you come away from that audition, you're still kind of intrigued by film. Are you basically just feeling like, I'm just going to pull the plug on this percussion thing. Let's just turn the page and move on to something different. Or how does that play out? Well, I wasn't totally. So, you know, I did go to another music school uh, with the intention of kind of music. But then as I got there, I realized that, hey, there's this whole entertainment option that they had. So in going there, I said, well, this is a pretty cool major. And it was uh, just starting at the time. And, um, there was an opportunity through that to go to UCLA for an exchange, uh, not an exchange program, but an extension program. And so I pursued that and, you know, ended up 
going to UCLA for a little while. <laughs> Ended up dropping out of UCLA for the semester and actually working on films in LA instead of uh, doing the school route out there. So you uh, get to LA, you start doing the film stuff. Is that when you started <laughs> to see like, nah, I think this could be the path of travel. I think this has something here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's I actually, um, I ended up getting a job, you know, instead of doing the scholarship route, I got a job at a church and started uh, as the, like their media assistant guy editing videos and stuff. And I think that really pushed me on the route. Like that's somewhere where I really could kind of hone in on the craft. And like I had to do the same thing every week. And so I really learned. I learned. <laughs> so at the time, there were three like big editing systems, Adobe Premiere, Avid, and Final Cut Pro. Well, they had Avid, which was probably one of the um, hardest to learn. And so I learned Avid. It took me quite a while. And then realized that, hey, most people are actually using the other programs. So Was that a, a good thing or a bad thing where you felt like I got I at least a technical skill set now and it's in kind of a niche thing that maybe some people aren't familiar with? Yeah, I think it was good. You know, it, it was tough at the time. I was. There was definitely discouraging moments where I was like, I cannot learn this, this uh, program and this stuff like that. But it comes with time. And then realized after I learned this really tough program that there's actually a program that does the same thing that's a little bit easier, you know. So <laughs> that's that's a, uh, a little discouraging. You're like, yeah, oh, it is, but you know, so there's this thing it, over like, here. Okay, well, well, at least I know it, you know. Yeah, yeah. At least you've you've got that in your back pocket. So exactly. while you go from the you shift from the music thing to the film thing, uh, you head out to L.A. What's kind of what's family? What's friends thinking? Are they going? Oh, sheesh! West is all over the map. He doesn't know what he's doing with his life. Or what, what's going through some of their heads? What's the feedback you're getting? They're all really supportive. Never really had any concern of what are you doing with your life or anything like that. Because you know, for one thing, I think the community college freed me up a little bit because I didn't have any debt at the point. And like my parents were helping with college, but I didn't go to a school that was like ridiculously expensive. You know, it was just kind of middle of the road, and so I didn't have that hindrance and burden of like. You know, I'm spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars a semester, and if I don't make something of myself this semester, or this semester, or next semester, that I'm burdened by this this money that's being poured into it. Yeah, and I know we're going to come back and talk about it later, but I know that 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 obviously had a huge effect on you and some of the work yeah, yeah. that you're doing today. Being able to go to college and graduate and finish up debt free and just avoid the typical trap of financial, you know, debt and student loans and all that mess. Yeah. It sounds like by avoiding that mess, it really opened up your options of what you could or wanted to do. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, let's say you didn't even go to college. I mean, just have, not having the burden of this money that you're having to owe back is, is huge. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people you've talked to on this show, I mean, just are able to travel freely. You know, a lot of times we kind of get stuck in our, in our ruts and stuck in our ways because of the financial burden that we owe. For sure. And I mean, when you, it's different when you make a decision because you want to versus you make a decision because you have to. Exactly. And, you know, I, I want to do this a job or career or business or passion or, or entrepreneurial endeavor over here, but financially dictates that I have to do this over here instead because I have student loan bills. I have a huge, ridiculous car loan. I have credit card debt. I have all this mess yeah. that I have to clean up that I just, I can't take that leap otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a whole, maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, but that's, that's definitely a passion of mine and what I'm kind of uh, working on some this summer in Portland. Oh, we're just teasing the listeners right now. They're going, <laughs> all right, what are they getting at? What are they talking about? We'll come to it. Hang with us. So, uh, all right, so you're out in LA, you're doing the film thing for a little bit. How are you kind of making a living? So you wrap up film school out there. Are you working for a production company or what, what happens next? So I only did about four or five months out there. And uh, that was in, so basically I had to do that to graduate from, uh, uh, University of North Alabama. 
And so I went out there and, you know, we first had some classes at UCLA and I started with my friend and I started doing that route and um, it was really expensive, like $1,200 a month, which was from where we were, was enormous. You know, we weren't even used to that kind of budget. And we get out there, start taking classes and we want to, you know, our parents are kind of helping us pay for this. So we want to make sure that we're doing a good job and making them proud. Sure. And, uh, but then it gets to the point where like, man, like I'm getting these jobs off Craigslist right now that don't pay anything, but I'm learning a lot. And uh, I'm learning a lot more than I am in the classroom right now. So it came to the point where I had to have that conversation like with my parents, like, well, I think I'm going to go ahead and just pursue this thing. I can still graduate without finishing these classes. And I'm getting a lot more um, experience on set, actually, making a lot more contacts. And so that's what I did. And so kind of dropped out of those uh, summer classes and just went full hard and just working for free for a lot of people out there, you know, taking the chances. For sure. And for sure. Ended up getting a, kind of a cool job as a lighting at a lighting design company for like TV shows and stuff. And worked in a lot of a lot of big shows. So basically, you know, I think there's just so, some huge value there, and making sure that we we are taking advantage of opportunities outside of the classroom, and that we're learning more so than just planning on just sitting in a class and listening to a lecture. Yeah, one of the biggest problems I have because I actually hire college students a lot as well because I want them to have experience, and I, I absolutely hate hearing about students that are um, like their peers who are going to school. And expecting the teacher to tell them everything, you know, and they're expecting this one person to tell them the, what the world has to offer, you know, and that's not, you're coming through one perspective and you can't depend on one person to tell you exactly what you should learn. Yeah, for sure. So getting those outside perspectives and just being in the field and being in the trenches, hearing a lot of different voices, because it's one thing for someone to sell you on it from a classroom. It's another thing to to be in the trenches and figure out, like, do I actually enjoy this? Does this actually resonate with me? Is this something that I think I would be good at and see myself doing? Uh, or is this more something that I, I like to talk about doing? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you're, you're doing that. You're uh, out in L.A. Do you come back to Alabama or what's your next step? Yeah, so L.A. really wasn't for me, you know, I, and I learned that because uh, of an experience like we just talked about. Exactly. Like I experienced it. And uh, so moved back to Alabama and uh, graduated and immediately went into a full-time job at a church in Birmingham. And I went straight from that job straight to Nashville within like, so within one year, I think I had like three different jobs. And, you know, one thing I, asked, I say as a recommendation is as soon as you graduate college, take a little time. Like just to kind of get to know your your area, your boundaries, like just kind of think about what you really want to do. I jumped immediately into a full-time job and just wasn't ready for it. And so then, you know, I was only there like six or seven months and then jumped into another full-time job, which was only there like nine months, I think. And then, and then ended up getting a job where I was there like two years. And you just attribute that to basically you're just not really knowing what you're looking for. So you're just trying to find something. One thing is, is I think... As soon as you graduate college, the expectation, obviously, that the world gives us is like, okay, you immediately have to get a job. You have to get benefits. You have to make this much. You have to get as much as you can, you know? And so that's what I took in, and I said, okay, well, I have to get a job immediately, full-time. Uh, you know, I had to make sure I got my benefits packaged and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what I did, and I just wasn't, I just wasn't happy. It just wasn't for me. And I wish now, looking back, that I had taken a little bit more time, maybe just gotten a little job on the side just to make ends meet for the time, but just really thought about, okay, this is kind of the path I want to take. They call it, you know, what is it? Um, life planning or something, you know? Sure. It's good to take that time before you make this big move to, 
take a step back and listen. What do I want to do? You so you're working at a couple, or you do a couple different businesses or a couple different yep. careers, really. I guess over the the course of a year and a half, it sounds like. What uh, was it about those that you didn't like that wasn't resonating with you? You know, it's tough. I think it was. I think I guess I always should just be my own boss. Sometimes I guess, I, and this is something that kind of I had to realize is that I may not take a direction as well from others as I thought I did. And that was a bit, really big hit for me because I, I feel like, you know, I can work with anybody like I, I hope I can. But I think when I can, I wanted to make decisions on my own that I wasn't being able to make. Like, I, right. and even creative decisions. Like, I was like, well, I think it should be this way, but I, I couldn't do any of that. I was kind of held, I was held down and felt like I needed to kind of breathe a little bit. And um, I, I just couldn't do that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people I've talked to and interviewed so far who just feel like they, they kind of experience those handcuffs and feel like, I don't know that I want to do this. And, and in fact, even the other day I had was having lunch with a buddy and we were talking about it and uh, talking just about entrepreneurship and business. And we were both like, you know, we're nice guys and we're hopefully good at business and entrepreneur entrepreneurial endeavors. But I think we both realized, even as you kind of described, like we would make horrible employees. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, that took me a long time. Yeah, because like you said, like, I feel like I'm good. You know what I mean? I feel like I'd be a good employee, but I just don't know if now looking back, like, uh, I almost wanted to apologize to my bosses at the time. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm sorry I didn't put in everything. Because at the time, I was just like, you know, I'd go home and be like, oh, I hate this. This is stupid and all that kind. But I, I'm very thankful for that path. But in, within four years, I was working. I was being, I was self-employed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that was a good, it was quicker than most people. So four years, walk us through that timeline of uh, you're, you're doing a couple different jobs and then mm-hmm. what steps are you taking? Are you quickly realizing that, hey, the only option for me or the best case scenario for me is to be self-employed or when is that epiphany starting to happen for you? Absolutely not. Like I didn't know that that was an option. I didn't realize like, oh, I could do this for a living on my own. So, you know, I worked in Birmingham for like nine months and then went to Nashville and that's actually where I met you, Grant. I worked for a, a company that booked and promoted artists. And so I think, you, you know, you came into play there and uh, we met each other there randomly. Right. Yep. And then I went to, back to Florence, Alabama, where I w- uh, was going to school and accepted a full-time job at a church there. And at the time, right in, when I was in Nashville, I actually got married to the love of my life, Tira. And uh, we met each other at school. And instead of getting a full-time job, you know, for some reason I had this passion, like I wanted her to pursue photography. Like she always had this passion, but she never really had somebody saying, pursue it. And um, so I think, you know, God kind of let me know, listen, you have this beautiful girl who's very talented, like let her pursue her dreams here. And so I kind of held down the fort for a little bit while we, uh, first couple months of our marriage and she, she freaking blew it up. Like she started doing some free jobs and then from there, like she booked her first wedding within a couple months. And from that wedding, like it was like $1,500, I guess at the time we were like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just made that much money. Like, you know, we're rich, we're retiring. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. I was like, okay, so this might be a viable option. Like she was working, uh, what do you call it? The, um, you know, the jobs where she was just in and out of jobs kind of, uh, temping. Temping, there you go. Yep, yep. <laughs> she was temping for a while and then doing this on the side. And we actually invested in her first like camera. And then, uh, you know, I got the call to go back to uh, Alabama to work for a church full time. And um, they were going to give us a house and stuff. So it was a really good, it was a really good move and good deal for us because we didn't have any housing costs. 
And so we moved back there. She started her business and luckily she used a lot of her college friends that she had met at the time to kind of use as a client base. And um, within two years, she was making enough money to where I could leave the job that I was doing and help her. So really your entire successful journey is all attributed to Tira. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, hands down. She's my sugar mama. There it is. And um, (laughs) the truth comes out. Make sure she listens to this episode. She's going to, she's going to enjoy that. She should should be on here. Really? You know, the cool thing is she just pursued her passion there and built that business up to where we were working. Hard part about that was, is we were working like seven days a week, you know, for the church I work Sunday through Thursday, Friday, we would probably leave to go to a wedding because we were shooting around the Southeast. Uh, Saturday, we would shoot a wedding get back really late uh, Saturday night, go to work Sunday morning. So, man, it was, it was really tough. We were shooting at least every weekend as well. And so it got to the point where, like, we're kind of burnt out. Like, we have, to, we have to do something different. You kind of just reached that breaking point. Like, something's got to give yeah. here. We can't keep going at this pace. Absolutely. And we said, okay, well, it was really scary. You know, I mean, we're going from having benefits, like retirement savings, free housing, like uh, in a steady paycheck to, okay, now we have to do all of our own stuff, like housing, we have to buy our own insurance, we have to save for our retirement. It was a really scary moment. But now I see so many friends making that leap and I'm, I'm so, like I encourage them so much that like you'll be provided for. Like you're not one that's just going to sit on the sidelines and not like work and expect things to come to you. Most people who go into full-time jobs like for themselves – they're hustlers. Like they're going to make a way to make ends meet, you know? Yeah. They just figure it out. Just figure out like, I gotta, I don't have an option here. I gotta make this work. Exactly. I mean, it's scary, but if you're the person that's going to be self-employed, then you're going to hustle enough to make, make ends meet. So is that kind of how the video component came in for you is she's doing photography for these weddings and then you start doing the video side of it for weddings? So dude, she bought this camera. It was a 5D Mark II. And I had no idea it shot video. I recognize those letters and numbers, but I'm sure (laughs) part of the audience here is just geeking out right now. So that's when the world changed. Like DSLRs were shooting this amazing video that like these film cameras. I mean, of course, they're not so much the same, but they were shooting amazing video at the time. Uh, They were very cheap for the price. And so she bought that camera and I basically stole it from her. (laughs) And uh, because at the time I had like a $3,000 camera that was an old ENG camera that you know, it's horrible and low light, doesn't have good depth of field. Like it was just, it was pretty bad. And so when she has this little bitty camera that shoots this amazing video, I stole it from her. So we bought two of them. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, uh, forget this. I'm getting your own. Yeah. So that's what happened. And and then as soon as that kind of happened, I started shooting a lot of video and you know, it kind of for a while there, you know, I had a freaking film degree, you know, but I wasn't using it for those few years. And, um, so this kind of like excited me again where, hey, I can get back into this and really start, you know, making things that I enjoy. Yeah, so it sounds like it sounds like it kind of set on the back burner for a little bit of going, I don't even know how this plays out and how it becomes a tangible career. But so I'm going to do these other little things that may or may not be buying me time. But it sounds like it's just kind of the path of least resistance where I'm they're exactly. going to they're going to give me a paycheck and give me, you know, in my mind, security and stability. So let's just let's go down that path for now. Exactly. Yeah. So I had my bridge job, as Marie Forleo would say, like um, I had that job to kind of put me to give me the money right then to where we could kind of set ourselves up and work really hard on the weekends. And we we worked our butts off for a while there to where we could kind of save a little bit and then eventually take the jump. And then we took the jump and we were shooting uh, weddings for the first couple of years. 
um, which was very lucrative actually at the time. And, um, it, we worked, we worked pretty hard. And, um, so soon from there that kind of freed me up to where Tira did all the editing and stuff. So that freed me up during the day to kind of pursue some film stuff. And so I'd go around town and, and shoot for local businesses and, I got into wedding films for a little while, but then ended up getting out of that. How are the like the local businesses you're doing some work for? Sounds like you're just kind of doing some freelance stuff here and there. How are you landing those clients? You know, it was actually. I mean, I got to say, like through through the university I went to, like always try to keep connections open. And so, like the university hired me to shoot some promotional stuff for them, and um, just some other local stuff come came from that. It was really small stuff, and a lot of that is like. Hey, it's not really paid well, but I can do it. And so, in order to start, you know, I had to kind of build a little client base that way, which you know I don't think is a bad way to start. I will say, once you do something for somebody for free, uh, don't ever expect them to pay you much. Right. But if you're going to do it for free, then do it well. And, you know, don't expect to get paid if you're going to do it for free. Right. And there's definitely a value there of like when you're starting, even if you're making very very little at least it's closer aligned with what you want to do versus I'm doing this other job and I'm making more, but I'm hating my life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you're doing a few freelance things here and there. Uh, and it sounds like just some, you know, individual type projects for small businesses. When does the, when does it start to kind of shift more from, I'm going to make a few projects for some mom, pa type businesses to more, I see this as a film thing and I see how this could come together and be something bigger. Yeah, so we were called to come shoot the World Domination Summit in Portland, Oregon. We had shot a few events and stuff, and my wife and I kind of traveled Europe and kind of shot a little video from there that a lot of people enjoyed and kind of inspired. And so we were asked to go shoot the World Domination Summit in Portland um, for the first year. And so we did that, and from there, met a lot of this whole new world of entrepreneurs uh, kind of opened up. We had no idea existed, and bloggers and this type of thing. And so we met a lot of people and from there we started to get a lot of like domestic work and then even international work. I will say that like, we've never done any advertising. We paid $700 in a magazine one time. And what uh, that, what that get for an you? Advertisement. Um, <laughs> probably not much just because we, <laughs> and we did it cause like the, the owners of the magazine are good friends of ours. So we kind of wanted to give back and they've given a lot to us. But, um, that's the only time we've ever paid for advertisement. The rest of the rest of everything is word of mouth. Like, and I can't tell you how valuable that is. So you go to World Domination Summit as a basically as a vendor. I mean, you're there to work, but you're also at the same time making a lot of contacts, meeting a lot of people who is just opening your eyes to this whole new realm of possibility that, man, I maybe maybe we could do this ourselves. Was there any like a session or a moment or maybe even a conversation with Tyria where you're looking at each other and you're both like, this is it. We've, we're on to something here. You know, I, I think it was um, after World Domination Summit, we got a call one day and uh the lady said, hey, I want to hire you to come to New York, and I want you to bring a crew, and I want you to film this event. And then afterwards, I want to hire you to travel through Europe and basically uh, film a lot of my clients' testimonials of our, our school, which is, um, this is Marie Forleo's B-School. We were just floored, and we didn't even know who Marie was at the time, and then realized, wow, she's a pretty successful uh, business coach. Honestly, I think that was a pretty big moment in us, and I I owe a lot to Marie and that fact that she really kind of believed believed in us at the early in the early parts, and also uh, Chris Gillibo. I mean, he's the one that hired us to come out to uh, World Domination Summit. So, people believing in you early on and knowing that hey, you may not have the best product right now, you're going to work hard, and I know that it'll always increase. You know what I mean? I think work ethic 
goes a long way. That's funny you bring up the Marie story because, in fact, I was just listening to an, an older interview with her the other day, and she had mentioned uh, we haven't talked about this, so I'll, correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong here, and, and I'm, I'm hoping you're the one that was involved in the story. But she said that described the same story of send a film crew over to Europe to film a lot of testimonials, and then one of the last days you're there, everything is stolen. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely true. That was us. <laughs> that was you guys. That's so funny. Like literally, like last week, I listened to that interview. Give us a quick overview of what happened there. Give us that story. Oh man, and I think this, some other people are going to cover this soon, but and this is one of the hardest times in our absolutely life, like if not the hardest time in our life. So we were hired by Marie to go to Europe. We were going to London, Spain, and I think actually just London, Spain. But then we also worked out that we had a client in LA who had hired us to go to Amsterdam to shoot this uh, horticultural like fair, like the Flower Expo. So we went to New York, filmed a week for Marie there. And then Hurricane Sandy happened. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was just like a lot of chaos at the end of this event. And so half of our crew ended up having to drive home. So we were in um, New York. And so we were only able to export like half of the video in, uh, before they left. And so we shouldn't have sent a hard drive home with them. And so we stayed in New York. We were delayed getting to Amsterdam, um, because, obviously because of the weather. We get to Amsterdam. We shoot um, for about four days there for this client in L.A., and then we meet up with uh, Louise in London and shoot there. Had a lot of great conversations. Go to Spain, great conversations there as well. And then we get to Rome. And now, since Tira and I are already in Europe, we're like, listen, let's just take a little vacation. So we we're going to go to Israel and to Egypt. And so we get to Rome to get on a cruise. And we're hanging out. This is awesome. My birthday happened November 10th. And the morning of my birthday, we're like, okay, let's get on a train. And we get on this train uh, and some guys helping us get all of our luggage, you know, because the trains are, they're pretty quick. They stop and they go. And so this guy's like, hey, I'll help you on. We're like, thank you. So it helps us put all of our stuff on the train. Uh, we get on there, go to this uh, about an hour and a half away to the cruise ship. And the second stop, this guy shakes my hand. I thought it was weird that he kind of positioned our luggage at a, a, in a certain way. But I, I kept my eye on everything, you know. He shakes my hand and gets off the train. And I just, you know, I thought it was odd because we, it was just so weird for him to be that friendly. And uh, It's like something it, out of a movie. It really was. It was, I just noticed it was odd. Well, we, we get off of the train station where we're supposed to and realize the bag is gone. And that morning I accidentally, word of advice for any photographers or videos, never put your backups in the same, well, for one, always backup, uh, but never put them in the same bag. And the reason I did that is because I knew we were getting on a cruise ship and you had to check your luggage. So I put both my hard drives in my kind of backpack because I didn't want the hard drives kind of, you never know. It's like airplanes, you know, they throw that stuff around. Right. And so I was like, listen, for the next two hours, it's going to be okay. Well, it wasn't. And we had $30,000 worth of uh, equipment stolen right then. Oh. And, um, but just the moment, like I actually, at the time I took a picture of uh, my wife at the train station. She was like on the ground. And when we, when we had that moment, we realized we, we had these clients and we, we just lost all of the footage that we had shot. I mean, all of the money and the time that was involved in this, we lost it all. I mean, I, it, was, it was definitely one of the hardest moments of our lives. And this is on your birthday? On my birthday, yep. When we're about to go, like we were just about to board this ship to go like for you know a week and a half just to go like have time with each other, you know? And, um, well, the next 30 minutes we basically just cried <laughs> and, um, and then we realized, okay, well this ship's leaves in an hour and uh, we can see it from the train station. We said, 
Well, first we have to go follow our police report because we've had stuff stolen before in Rome, uh, in in uh, Spain. So we knew that we had to go follow our police report so insurance would pay for this. And so we did that. And that's, I mean, of course, there's a huge language barrier there. I mean, nobody speaks English. We don't speak Italian. So it was pretty tough. And uh, But we've, we've done that before. So we go get that. And then we're like, okay, we have to make a decision. While we're in Europe, do we go back and shoot these things? shoot these interviews with not without the client knowing right now, we'll just set everything up and shoot them and say, and afterwards say, Hey, this happened, but we've already taken care of it. Or do we go like and take this next week and a half and spend time with each other? Right. Uh, and that was a huge moment. And I said, I told, I sat there and told Tier, I said 40 years from now, 50 years from now, I'm going to look back on our life at this moment and say, you know what? We enjoyed our time together as a husband and wife. And we, um, we took this moment to enjoy this trip. And it was really hard to enjoy that trip yeah, because we had this huge burden on us. But we, we told ourselves to kind of split away from the world at the moment and enjoy each other. And, of course, there are times when we were crying at night, you know, but we tried to do that. And that's when, like, some the bombings were happening in Israel and we get to Egypt and there's some stuff going on. But, I mean, it was fun, it was fun to be in that moment as well. So we did that, and we went home, and we called both of those clients, and we we said we need everybody on the phone so we can kind of explain to you what happened. And I was floored. That, that was one of the most nervous times I've ever been in my life, trying to call them and explain to them what happened. But they were so loving and gracious, and they said, you know what? Things happen. Let's work from here. Wow. So, oh, you, man. What a, just a sickening feeling where you're well, like. There's, there's it's nothing just... in the world that, like, we wanted to quit. Yeah, we we were literally ready to quit, throw everything away, go get full time jobs where we didn't have to think about anything else. You know, we just go nine to five and not have to worry about a thing. Well, I think that's such a I think that's such a great story, and I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's such a great story that captures the journey of I'm not just entrepreneurs, but just life, where those yeah. moments where you're like, "Is this even worth it? And what am I doing here? And why am I doing this? And what?" what's the point here? Let's just throw in the towel. And you just have those moments where you just, you just got to cry. You just got to let it out. You're just kind of holding each other going, I, I am at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the barrel here. And I just feel completely lost. But my guess would be, and you correct me if I'm wrong, my guess would be looking back at that moment, it sucks. You hated it. But my guess would be you, you probably wouldn't change much about it. You know, yeah, I would change everything about it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no, I mean, look at like we learned so much, you know, now there's not a moment we don't tell other photographers who like backing up and uh, doing offsite backups. We were big proponents of that. And so, you know, now we always have like right now I have all of my work in Alabama and Oregon. um, And (laughs) And 17 other undisclosed locations around the world. I mean, we just we, we don't stop with the backups, um, you know, and equipment that's material objects that can be replaced. We have insurance. And um, of course, it doesn't pay all of that. But things happen and, you know, you have to get over them. But the hardest part for us was not the equipment it was just, um, you know, having to tell these people that had believed in us and trusted us uh, that we had failed them. Yeah, yeah. Powerful story, man. Let's kind of bring things up to current day. I know you've been working on this huge project and you're getting ready to really dive into it. Tell us more about the new documentary you're you're putting together. We're working on a documentary about education, the higher education system in America. And really, it's failing right now from what we're seeing. That as Seth Godin said, I believe the cost is getting higher, the quality is getting lower. Why people go to school in general? You know, is it because the world is telling you to go to college? And then why would you do that? If I came up to you right now 
without any knowledge. We're just strangers. And I said, listen, I want you to give me forty to $60,000 and I'm going to teach you a mediocre skill in the next four years. Like, there's no way you would do that. Right, right, right. No way. <laughs> but yet people do it every day. Right, for sure. I don't say mediocre, but a lot of times the education is mediocre. And it may not even be what you want to do with your life. Like you're going to college because everybody's telling you to go to college. But is that the best option for you at the moment? So there's, Europe has this thing called a gap year. Yep. Which is, I think is great. And that's, that's something we're going to cover as well. So as soon as you graduate high school, you take a year off. And you kind of, a lot of students travel. They get jobs. They kind of take a year to kind of really figure out what they want to do. It's a year to kind of rethink and kind of re-energize. The thing is, is uh, in America, like if you take a year off, you lose a lot of scholarship opportunities. And so a lot of, a lot of students don't have that option. But just, you know, sometimes a lot of times the money drives you. Right. And it shouldn't. So we, we kind of want to tell the story of, hey, why don't you want to, let's go ahead and figure out what you want to do with your life. At least think that way. And then we'll work from there. Let's not just go ahead and take the path of least resistance and do what everybody else is doing. Love it. So, well, I mean, the thing is, is as soon as you, as soon as you get into the field of your, um, you know, your study, you're going to be a much happier person. And that's the whole thing is we want people to be happy in what they do. We don't want, you know, enjoy their lives. So Yeah, I like the way that you're approaching that because you're really, I mean, you're talking about college, but you're really just talking about life uh, as a bigger yeah, picture. And, and that's co- absolutely true. And college just kind of be, happens to be the, kind of the, the tunnel that we're all kind of forced to go through in order to get to the other side to, to reach, you know, life mm-hmm. and being a grown up and real world stuff. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to, figure out what does that tunnel really look like and does everybody actually need to go through that tunnel and if you're going to go through it are there different tunnels that get you to the same side but just take a different path that may Absolutely. make more sense so yeah as someone that you know works with a lot of high school and college students and I know we've you know we've talked a lot about this offline that that I'm a, a huge huge fan of, of what you're doing uh, and I just totally 100% echo that that the students that go to college that will graduate with $70,000 in debt no idea what they want to do with their life it just doesn't make any sense at all but but, but because of that money they're pushed to have a job they need a job you exactly know I mean? yeah and it goes they back to the paying that money back so then they get into something that they don't even enjoy right you know and and even like we our conversation earlier in your own journey of of being able to uh, graduate without debt and to minimize uh, any of that stuff any of those financial burdens it just changes the whole equation of what you do next and all of your options and opportunities and that's you know that's not just applicable or relevant if you're you know a college student headed toward graduation but you know if you're 30 40 50 when you don't have any debt it just changes everything of what you're able to do Absolutely. Yep. So how do we find out more about that? When will that be out? If we wanted to download that, give, me, give us some more details on it. Yeah, so the whole point of uh, us kind of coming to live in Portland for a few months is to kind of break away from our jobs to kind of concentrate on some uh, far, like further out projects. And this is one of them. So this summer we're shooting a, um, basically a sizzle reel, a trailer. And then we're also going to do some branding, probably get some stuff up on a site um, here this summer. So um, a way to keep up with it, uh, we're not there yet. We're in the very beginning stages of that. So we're in the process of also building uh, our personal websites. But right now, if you follow Armosa Films on um, or social media or armosafilms.com, um, we'll probably have some stuff up there as well. So and tell us uh, what's your website and uh, how do we find out more about you and so that we can keep track with the film. Yeah, name is Wes Wages, W-E-S-W-A-G-E-S, and that's you can go to all social media, forward slash Wes Wages. And then armosafilms.com is our film company, and Armosa Studios is our photography company. How do you, uh, and make sure you spell that for us so we got it right. Yep, A-R-M-O-S-A, 
and films with an S and studios with an S.com. Beautiful. Definitely. I encourage people to check that out. And uh, as you keep going in this process, I think a lot of people, you know, we see a finished product of a documentary or a movie or whatever, and that's fascinating. But this is a unique opportunity where you're at the beginning stages. You know, you've got kind of the idea and where you want to go with it. But I think this is cool for people to be able to follow along on the journey of, of especially people that want to get into filmmaking of how is a documentary? How is a film actually made like a feature length, full length type deal? How does that actually come together? So a great opportunity for people to, to follow you online and just to, to follow your journey, uh, to pick your brain. And I'm sure uh, as that evolves and, and happens, uh, definitely keep us updated. Keep me updated so I can I can uh, let our audience know what's going on and how the film develops. Because I even personally, like I said, with my work with students, I'm super fascinated by what you're doing and a big fan of it. Absolutely. And that's one thing we want to do is we want to cover a student's perspective from high school as well. Like we want to cover the whole gamut, you know, because um, that's who will be, make up this film. So Sweet. Nice work, man. Wes, enjoy talking to you, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Will do. Thanks so much, Grant. Thanks, buddy. All right, there you go. Episode 24 of West Wages. Hope you enjoyed that. Hopefully that was encouraging and inspiring to you if you're wanting to get into filmmaking or if you're just going, no, man, I, I just dig that. I dig that early conversation we had about uh, just turning pro and taking yourself seriously because, you know, there's a lot of people that just kind of tinker with something. They play with something and they're like, this is just little my, it's like my little side thing. It's my little pet project. Nobody really knows. It's, it's not that big a deal. No, no, like, like at some point, if you're wanting to do this for a career, if you're wanting to do this for a living, if you're wanting people to exchange monetary value, if you're wanting them to give you currency for your work, You've got to turn pro in your own mind. Take yourself seriously in your work. I also like when we talked about just waiting for permission. Like He was just sitting there. He's like waiting for someone to tell him it was okay to go at it alone and that you don't have to keep waiting for that. You don't have to wait for the magic permission fairy to come by and, and drop some, some permission dust on you. Say, hey, you're fine. Now go forth and you may do it alone. It's like, no, like you have the ability to take permission for yourself and go create that thing and go do that work to take your work seriously. So I hope you enjoyed, I hope you enjoyed that Europe story. Wasn't that cool? What a great story. And again, I think that really encompasses the life of an entrepreneur where you can go from one of your highest highs to one of your lowest lows. And it's, you know, for him, it was as it relates to being an entrepreneur, but that's just true in life. You know, if you're, if you're a nine to five career person and that works for you, you're in a spot where you're digging your job or you're trying to find a spot where you might dig your job more, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a career person, or if you're a human, if you're a human, you qualify because we all experience those highs. We all experience those lows. How do you bounce back from that? How do you deal uh, with that resistance? How do you become resilient and saying, ah, that sucked. I can't believe that happened. I don't believe all that stuff was stolen, but let's just come back stronger. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep fighting. Let's, if this thing that I'm pressing towards is worth fighting for, then let's keep moving forward. Let's keep let's keep pressing. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, I always like to share with you, thanks so much for leaving reviews, ratings, feedback on iTunes. It really, really means a lot. I've got a, a great review here, a five-star review that just came in from Chris Solo. It says, must listen for anyone trying to figure out their own path to work they love. Grant not only asks questions I have myself, but then does an awesome job of relating the answer universally to apply to life in general, any career someone may have in mind. Podcasts always leave me inspired to ask my own questions of others to find out how I can get into that. So thanks for that, Chris. Really, really appreciate that. Hey, if you want to leave us a rating or review, you can go to uh, grantbaldon.com slash iTunes or grantbaldon.com slash Stitcher. Those reviews really, really help us out. And not only a 
do I read every single one of them. I love hearing from you. It helps other people just to discover the podcast as well. So so thanks for taking the time to do that. Hey, I've mentioned it to you uh, one other time, but um, on grantbaldon.com slash influence, grantbaldon.com slash influence, you're going to want to write that down. We've got a new PDF that we put together for you uh, about in, about connecting with influential people. There's some people that are probably on your radar going, man, I would love to connect with that person. I'd love to meet that person, but they're busy. They don't have time for me, yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. And uh, we've just put together some of our best tips and tricks and strategies for connecting with influencers. So if you want to download that, it's totally free. You can go to grantbaldoncom slash influence. So make sure that you, you check that out. Hey, last thing I wanted to mention to you is, uh, would you be interested if we did a listener question episode? What do you think? Would you be down for that? I'm cool either way. Makes no difference to me. I'd love to hear from you. And, uh, but I, I, think, I think you'd dig it. I think you'd enjoy it. I know I would. I think I'd really like it. But I'm only interested in doing things if, if you're interested in hearing them and interested in learning about it. So if you're like, yeah, totally, let's do that. Uh, I've got a question I'd love to have you answer on the show, then uh, let's give it a shot. So you can uh, tweet me, email me. Let me know if you're interested in us doing that. If we get enough feedback, we may uh, put together one of those episodes uh, in the future. Uh, As always, you can email me, grant at grantbaldwin.com, and uh, let me know what you think about that idea. And uh, if you're just chewing on something, you're like, man, can I just run this by you? Yeah, fire away. Grant at grantbaldwin.com. We would love to hear from you. All right, that wraps up uh, episode 24 with Wes. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, make sure you can check out the show notes at grandbaldo.com slash Wes Wages. We'll be coming at you again real soon with a quarter of a century at 25. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.